Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you one definitive page of Talmud each day. And in today's pages, Nadarim 24 and 25, we hear a fascinating story. Have a listen. The Gemara asks, and still, does a person not commonly take an oath according to his own understanding? But isn't it taught in a baraita? And so we found with regard to Moses, our teacher, when he administered an oath to the Jewish people in the plains of Moab, that they accept the Torah upon themselves. He said to them, Know that I do not administer an oath upon you according to your understanding and the stipulations in your hearts, but according to my understanding and the understanding of the omnipresent, as it is stated, neither with you only do I make this covenant. What did Moses say to Israel? Isn't this what he said to them? Perhaps you will perform negative actions, i.e. transgressions, and say, the oath was taken according to our understanding. Due to that reason, he said to them, you take the oath according to my understanding. The Gemara clarifies, what did his warning come to exclude? Does it not serve to exclude the possibility that they give the title God to an object of idol worship and say that this was their intention when they took an oath to worship God? The fact that Moses needed to preclude this claim indicates by inference that a person commonly takes an oath according to his own understanding. What a deep, theological, complicated question. Can you take an oath based not on your understanding, but based on someone else's stipulations? And if so, with this great case of Moses, what was he trying to get to? These are deep questions. And when I confront such weighty, heady issues... There's only one man, one man alone, a teacher, a friend that I call. Rabbi David Bashevkin, how are you, my friend? Liel, what an absolute joy. And I found this passage to be so absolutely fascinating, really for two reasons, one of which we've touched upon in previous conversations and one of which really emerges from the conclusion of this story. You know, the the first thing that really jumped out at me is the fact that we look at our continued obligations, Jewish life itself, Yiddishkeit, dare I say, in the famous more Yiddishism, a little it's a little more warm. I like using the term Yiddishkeit, but Judaism itself is a promise. And we see that Judaism is a promise because the very way in which we were initiated into Judaism, as we're told in the Torah, was through making a promise. And I I just find it so moving to think of our connection to Yiddishkeit, to Judaism, to Jewish life, as this promise that we are preserving for ourselves and our children. But what's so fascinating in this particular passage is the question of how we understand our promises. Because what the Talmud is highlighting is the question of why Moshe, why Moses is being so specific in this promise. And he's specifically saying it is for not just the people in front of him, but for all people for all time. And the question is, can we extrapolate based on this passage any understanding about the way that promises function in the Talmud. And the conclusion of this is actually fascinating because what the Talmud wants to understand is whether or not when you make a promise is the language that you use based on your understanding or on other people's understanding. And we actually reject at the conclusion of this story that when you make a promise that we can extrapolate from it 
that it was specifically based on Moshe's understanding. In fact, the way the Talmud concludes is as follows, and we don't usually do this. Usually you're in charge of reading the passages, but I'm going to read the conclusion. And the conclusion says that rather Moses, our teacher, used an expression that was not troublesome for the Jews, that although he could have found another manner in which they could take an oath, and it would leave no doubt as to the correct intentions, and he could have specified every single prohibition in the Torah, he didn't want to trouble them by employing a more complex method. Therefore, he administered the oath and stated that it was according to his understanding and the understanding of the omnipresent. The reason why he included specifically himself and God rather than the Jewish people is he just wanted to make it simpler and easier. So he didn't have to go and address every possible understanding, misunderstanding that the Jewish people may have had. And to me, this conclusion of the seminal promise that we made to preserve and continue the ideals and the values of Jewish life is actually so instructive for the way that we preserve it. Because what it is saying is that he didn't get into all of the complexities. He kind of narrowed it down and boiled it down to an essential idea. And I think that when it comes to our own lives, it's really important to know and eventually understand all of these details. But like the Talmud concludes here, if you want a promise to endure, you have to make it essential. You have to make it very basic. If you start addressing every possible understanding and misunderstanding of what Judaism can be or could be or possibly address, that's all very important. But if you really want to make an enduring promise, you have to make it essential. You have to create an environment, a culture, a family life, a communal life, an individual life where the promises that we perpetuate are boiled down to their essential meaning, that there is pride, that there is a connection and commitment that I am Jewish and I am perpetuating this promise. The details, the complexities, we can talk about that at a different time. But a promise that endures is a promise that's essential. And that is the model that Moshe used in this inaugural promise for the Jewish people. And it's the promise that we continue in our lives, in our families' lives, and in our communal lives, creating and perpetuating that enduring promise of the Jewish people. Rabbi David Reshevkin, thank you so much for enduring us and for being our guest. My absolute pleasure. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. 
I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic, and we will see you again soon. <laughs>